Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Of the message of truth and how precious that really is for you and me. And so as I look at those men and women and I look at those that are going out now to share the gospel, how important that is because God understands how important it is for us to give out the gospel. These people understand it and they understand it that nobody should be neglected from hearing the gospel. There's a missionary by the name of William Carey. He's called the father of modern missions. He had a couple of great lines, but my favorite line is this. He said, no one ought to hear the gospel twice until everyone in the world has heard the gospel once. Isn't that a great line? doesn't mean everybody will get saved, but it does mean that they all need to hear the gospel. Well, let's go now uh, to the next point here. I, I think maybe you got that idea, so why should everybody hear that precious message of salvation? Well, they need to hear it. And they need to have consistent preaching of the gospel in order to do that. But let's go to number three. It says, how will they preach unless they're sent? So even before preaching, you have the sending part. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or good tidings. When I read that good news, I kind of remembered the, the wonderful phrase that we often give at Christmas time where it says, today in the city of David is born unto you a Savior who will bring good tidings, good news, and joy to all people. And how important it is that someone be sent to do that. And how beautiful are the feet. In your margin of your notes, this might help you. We need to, of course, preach. We also need to be sent. So we really need to have what I call lips and legs. Lips and legs. There are people that have a lot of lips that can really give the gospel, but they really don't go anywhere to be able to do it. They don't go to their neighbor. They don't go to unsaved people. They don't take advantage of opportunities. So they got the lips. They know how to do it, but they never go anywhere with it. Then you have people that kind of travel all over. They go on vacation. They do global stuff. They're everywhere. I'm mixing up with everybody, but they never use their lips to be able to present the gospel. So the two of them need to be together, lips and legs, as we share the gospel. So wherever God calls us to be able to give that gospel to them. So it's important for us to do that. How beautiful are the feet? Now you might say, why would it be the feet? Why would that be? How does that really do it? Back in the Bible days, especially since this passage is taken from the Old Testament, the Jewish people would be wondering, did we win in the battle? How did the battle go? What's really going to happen? What about our brothers and sisters on the other side of the mountain? So they'd be always looking, looking off into the distance, looking to the horizon to see of the messenger coming. And if the messenger is coming and he's running and he's running and there's a smile on his face and we won, we won, we won, we'd be saying... How beautiful are the feet that brings the good news. Now, you may kind of zone out when you hear that, but I want you to think in terms of that. What good is the good news coming to us if it never gets to us because there is no feet? So the good news only become greater news is because there was feet that brought that. So now let's talk about you for a moment. How many of you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Would you raise your hand? All right. How many of you trusted Christ because someone presented the gospel to you, whether it was a public venue or one-on-one, -on -one, they talked to you, you heard it, you trusted Christ. Would you raise your hand? All right. They had feet. They had lips. They brought that message to you. Can you just for a moment pause and thank God for that person who brought that message to you? 
For me, it would be Carol. She led me to Christ. I'm so thankful. I was going to say for her legs and lips, but you'd go crazy if I said that, you know. So I'm thankful to the Lord for Carol, for what God has done in her life. But you know what? I'm thankful for the person who was true to the gospel that gave her the message of salvation to me. Those are beautiful feet that brought that message to us. I'm wondering how many people are looking, looking to the horizon in their heart in some way. They're grabbing this other stuff because it's the best they have, although it's going to damage them, because they yet have not heard the good news of the gospel. And for you to now take your feet, your legs, your lips, and give them that precious message of the gospel. Now, I'm going to answer in a minute. What about those who never want to hear from me and they want to shut me down? I'll give you that in a minute. But right now, don't let Satan use that to shut you down from all the other people. I am so grateful that Carol did not sit in high school and look at me next to her in a chair in a public uh, speaking class and say, I better not invite him. He, he's, he's a rusty, crusty surfer. And, you know, he, I don't know him. He's, he's got a dominant personality. <clears throat> and I don't know if I want to, you know, he's a, you know. And she said, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if you're going to like the message. I don't know if you like the kids. I don't know if you like the music. I don't know if he even cares about a Bible. But you know what? God loved his soul. Jesus died on the cross, and he needs to hear the message. And I think the guy over there is going to do better than I can, so I'm going to bring them, him to hear that message. And when it was all done, she got enough boldness, and boom, the message came out. Not exalting Carol. I'm telling you, and she'd tell you this, if Carol can do it, you can do it. All right? Now, why is that? Because she has what you have, and that's Jesus Christ, the power and the ability within you to do that. And that's this point right here. So, because no one can preach unless they're sent. So your question is, is how do I know that if I'm sent? Well, the Scripture already says over and over again to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Now, it's already assumed, so it says as you're going. So God is already saying wherever you go, you are now to make disciples of all nations. In, first, in John chapter 15, it says that we have all been ordained to bring forth more fruit as a believer in Christ. So the message and the responsibility of connecting, engaging the unsaved, non-Christian environment is all there for us to do. We don't have an option to do that. If, um, if he didn't want us to do this, we could have trusted Christ and died right there and gone to heaven and bypassed all this stuff. He says, no, watch this. We need an unbroken link and our unbroken link goes all the way back to the New Testament times of the apostles because it's all built upon them and then Christ and it gets to us today. So again, we're all sent to go do this. And I'm so grateful that Carol was sent, but I am sent as well and so are you. We all are sent. So let's go to number four. Because faith only comes by hearing the word of God. It says, however, they did not all heed the good news. And that's true. All the Jews that did hear this, they didn't heed it. All right, It was there in front of them. The prophets were saying this. It was kind of in there with Moses. Abraham said that, uh, God said to Abraham, through you all the nations will be blessed. So they all had it, but they didn't heed it. So underline the word heed there. They all got it, but they, they didn't heed it. And then Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And then it goes on to say, so faith comes from hearing in hearing by the word of Christ. All right. Give me a moment. I, I, we had a lot today, but listen very carefully. For you new folks that are here, our people have... I'm going to step over here so you can kind of see this away from the pulpit. We believe there are three ingredients to what is called saving faith. In order for someone to trust in Christ, they need to have faith to do that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith, they need to have the faith to trust Christ. What is the faith? How much faith? What does the faith look like to trust Christ? It involves three things, very quick. The first thing it involves is that you have to know truth. 
Right? You have to know truth. Know it means you have to understand it. You have had to hear it. It has had to come into your being. If someone that's in a back country like the couple that I just talked to you about, they have not heard truth yet. This missionary couple is trying to break the communication gap between them so they can hear truth. So they have to know the truth. Now watch this. The second part of that is they have to believe the truth to be true. So faith has to have, you have to have the knowledge it to be true. Then you have to know that it's true and believe that it's truth. So you can hear truth but not believe that it's truth. But now you hear truth, now you believe that it's true. Most Christians sometimes think that that's all you need to do. There's one more step, and that's where we might get the call in there. That's where we get the trust in. And that is where you have to now not only know the truth, hear the truth, know the truth, but you now have to trust in Christ as a result of that truth, where you now say, okay, I heard the truth. That really is true. I need to trust in Christ. Now I trust in Christ. That is actually then saving faith. It's like knowing that chair will hold up people. Oh, knowing that chair can hold me up, but I haven't sat in that chair, so I'm not trusting it. When I go all the way and I trust in that, that's saving faith. You all have heard that now. The other the folks in our church have heard that many times. But in this passage, it takes it one step further. All that about faith is almost useless to the person who has never, ever heard of faith in Christ. And so while all that's important, God says there's a major ingredient that's missing. And that is that someone needs to take that message of faith to those who don't know Christ. And that's why it says faith comes by hearing. For them to have that faith, they have to hear that truth. They have to understand that truth. It's got to be given to them. And that's where you and I come in by saying, Lord, you died for me. I'm now willing to die for you in a certain way. He died for me so I could have eternal life. I'm going to die for Christ so others can hear about eternal life in Christ. And that's why this passage is so very, very important. So faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So for them to have that faith, they need to hear the truth. And what they need to hear is the word of Christ. Now, I'm all out of time and I don't have time to open this up. But what you really want to study on the word of Christ here is that really is a good, I don't know if it's a euphemism, but it's certainly a great amplification of the term gospel. The word of Christ obviously is all of scripture, but in the context of Romans here, it's referring to the gospel. So in order for them to understand Christ and the gospel, those people have to hear that so they then can have the faith or the knowledge of it, then to activate it and place it in Jesus Christ. All right, number five, because God always intended the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. He says, but I say, surely, question number one, Paul asks him, surely they have never heard, have they? And he answers it rhetorically, indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Now that comes from other passages where it says where Abraham said, all the nations in you will be blessed and from him would come the Messiah. And it goes on and on and on. So wherever the Jews went, they had within them like the seed of the gospel because the Messiah would come from them and the Messiah was the savior of the world, etc. Now, keep that in mind. All right. So he says, yes, they have. Yeah, you can't say they've never heard. Indeed, they have. And it goes on to say, the next question, it says, but I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? Well, did they know? And it goes on to say, for Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By a nation without understanding will I anger, meaning that, uh, you know what, you have the truth, and now there's another nation that's not a nation, which would be the Gentiles, because he's saying they're not believers, so they're not a nation. You're a nation of Jews, they're not. And so he says, that little group over there, that Gentile group, they don't understand, and they will understand. And then it says, and Isaiah very boldly says, I was founded, or I was found by those who did not seek me, and I became, that's the Lord speaking, I was found by those who did not seek me, which would be the Gentiles. 
I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. Interesting, you have Moses the law, you have Isaiah representing the prophets. So it's basically saying through the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the knowledge of salvation found in the person and the work of Jehovah, God, the Messiah, all right, is all found there, and it went to the other nations. And so every nation has the opportunity to hear the gospel. The message of the gospel was to go everywhere. Now, if you will look up here for a minute. If you even recall, while the uh, Jews were going into Jericho, there was a gal there that was a prostitute and her family that was saved from destruction, and her name was Rahab. But she believed in the Lord Jehovah and who God was, even if it was a little tiny seed understanding of it because it was progressive revelation. She believed that her and her family were saved. And now if you go back all the way to the lineage of Jesus Christ, you're going to find that she goes, he goes all the way back in this little realm uh, chain all the way to Rahab as well included in this, meaning salvation is you know coming through the Jews, but the Gentiles were to get it also. Stay with me, please, please. With the Gentiles now, when God was around the Gentiles presenting this message, he was there, the message was there, he did not aggressively pursue the Gentiles. They came to him. Now, with the Jews, though, there was a greater coming after the Jews. That's why it says he looked for the Jews. When you go into the New Testament, Jesus said, I looked unto Jerusalem and I wept. I was like a, a mother hen just calling my biddies to me, but they wouldn't come. You would not come. All through the Old Testament, just read it. You're going to find how that the Lord is just pumping his love to these Jewish people, just reaching out to them, wanting to say them, waiting for one person who says, we have sinned, we repent, we're coming back to you. The Lord says, I'll be there for you. And he was. He didn't do that with the Gentiles. The Gentiles kind of had to look around the corner and, oh, okay, and the Lord says, come on in. That's changed, New Testament grace. We're in the new, new age right now, but that's what he was doing. So again, number six now, because God still loves the world in spite of its sin. And I wanted to end with this because this gets so powerful. He says, but as for Israel, meaning different than the Gentiles, who they basically came to me, and he allowed that, he permitted them, he wanted them. He says this, but for Israel, it's different. All the day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, disobedient isn't a bad word because they did disobey God, what he had them do, etc. But there's a different word in the original language. It's the word contradiction. They contradicted. They were contradiction. Contradiction means these Jews had the word. They had all of me. They had all the privileges that I already taught you in Romans chapter 9 and 10. All right. They had all of that. And they still rejected me. There was a contradiction. Why wouldn't they accept me? They just didn't do that. Watch this. But he said, I held out my hands to them. And I look at that and I say, even in spite of sin, he held out his hands to them. So coming full circle, why do we care about those that don't know Christ? It's not because I care so much for them. It's the love for Christ that I have. It's the love of Christ for them. And so it's all about Christ and his love for them. And he says, I hold out my hands. But now we're in the New Testament times and he goes beyond the Jews because he said, I held out my hands and it's still out to them. That's why you have some Messianic Jews that are out there. That's why you have an Israel within an Israel, etc. True Israel and not true Israel. He says, I have held out my hands. But he also says, or kind of set aside for a moment. And he says, now it's to all the world. I don't want anyone, man, woman, boy or girl, whatever their ethnic background is, no matter how rich or poor, whatever their mental state might be, as long as they have the capacity to know that they have done something wrong, that they have the capacity to know that they need a Savior, and I'm it. I'm the only it. I am the one Savior for them. But they won't believe unless you're sent. And once you're sent, you got to speak. And once you speak, 
They may hear. Some will, some won't. And those that hear, more likely will believe. And those that believe, in other words, they understand this whole truth that they're at that second level of faith. They believe that to be true. Now they're at the third level. They will call upon him. But it won't happen unless we heed the call to be sent. So, dear church, that's why this church spends tens of thousands of dollars yearly to help fund our missionaries. That is why we do what we can, many at the people's own expense doing mission trips, is because we want to take the gospel of the world. It is not because we want to neglect our poor homeless people in Waikiki or these wealthy people that live here in Dowsett. Is we will go anywhere at any time wherever we can go to spread the gospel. So whether you are called officially to go to a foreign field or whether, again, it's across the street, I'm telling you, this passage of Scripture, it is not a missional passage per se, but it does have the foundation of theology of reaching people for Christ. It shows that God loves the world. It shows that God wants the message to go to everyone, that God made the message clear that it's only by faith in Christ. He says, we now are the ones that are called to be able to do this. So it's all about evangelism, although this is not a major missional section of Scripture. So now that's the truth. What are we going to do with it? Now flip over to those that are on the journey side. You're hearing this message that God is speaking to us to love on you, to help you hear this truth. We don't want you merely to embrace a new religion, Christianity, or this religion, Christianity, because it's not a new religion, and it's not a religion. It's a belief system in the person of Jesus Christ. What we want you to do is to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your only hope for heaven. Now, if you're not ready yet to do that, then my question to you is, why aren't you? That, that's not a, a, a sarcastic, why aren't you? It's, why aren't you, to find out, okay, what can we do to help you? What, the reason you're saying no is it's probably you don't have enough information to say yes. So what can we do to help you, that we can help you get to this particular point? We're on this side because we've often gone that route, and we, we got our questions answered, and we have enough of them answered to say, okay, I'll place my faith. I'll, I'll commit myself to Christ, so to speak. We have enough of that. We don't have all of our answers, all of our questions answered, but we're already there, and we're, we're, we're learning more, and none of it is saying, uh-oh, we made a wrong choice. We shouldn't have done this. No, all of it is saying, I wish I'd done it earlier. So my dear friends, I pray that you don't let a moment go by without trusting Christ. The one who humanly wrote all of this gave his life to the very end so that people would come to know Christ. And I thank God for that because he's part of the chain that's linked all the way to me, all the way to you. Let's pray, shall we? For those of you who are ready to accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross and to embrace Jesus Christ, yeah, you will be a Christian, so we're not asking you to embrace Christianity because when you hear that, there's a lot of stuff said in the name of Christianity that's just pure garbage. So what you need to do is to embrace the Christ of the Bible and then sort out what is authentic, genuine, true Christianity. And you'll find it. It's there. And there is. There's, there's, there's a real deal there. Right now, your door is Christ. It's not your door of a church or your door of uh, Christian values and all that. It's your door is the person of Jesus Christ. It says, whoever calls upon him, whoever calls on the name of Jesus, the Lord. So please do that now because the one thing you and I can agree on is that you don't know how long you're going to live. Neither do I about me. And so do your believing while you're living because you don't know where you're going, as it often says. So here's what you do. To call upon him is nothing more than to say, I heard all of this. I didn't hear one thing about good works, but I did hear belief, faith, call, trust, 
And so now I need the right object. And Lord, you are it. It said on the name of the Lord, on you. So right now, I am engaging you as my Savior. I'm totally depending upon you. I, I know I haven't been too bad. And I'm, I'm grateful that I wasn't as bad as some. But I know I'm not perfect. I, I carry grief and regrets about stuff. But Lord, I thank you for your full forgiveness now and forever. And I'm a part of your forever family. And so my dear friend, I pray that right now you're trusting Christ. And not a moment goes by. If you're ready to do that, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand, indicating to me that today you're trusting Christ. Now, again, you raising your hand and even me praying will not save you. It's you trusting Christ. But now that you've trusted Christ today, now you're, in a sense, letting me know so I can pray for you as a welcome into God's family type prayer. Now, I won't embarrass you. You won't come forward. I won't name your name in my prayer. But I'm just going to generally welcome you. And, and we like to do that because I want you to have the first love touch from another Christian today at the throne of grace for you. So if there be anyone here today that's ready to place your faith in Christ, you're doing it right now, and now you'd like me to, to know about it because you trusted Christ today in here, would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all, anyone at all today that's calling upon the Lord? All right, Christians, what might it be that will motivate you to care enough about your neighbor, your family, with the gospel. Remember, the Lord held out his hands to all of those people, even though they did not trust Christ. So don't ever give up on that mom or dad or grandpa or grandma or brother or sister or son or daughter that doesn't know the Lord. Don't ever, he never gives up. As long as we have a mental capacity to trust Christ, there is hope for us. No matter how old or crusty, no matter how close we are on deathbed or how long we've been there. But why wait? Why get the ticket into Disneyland and then not be able to enjoy it? So why don't you, one more time, prayerfully, carefully, lovingly, go back to those people and reconnect with them again about the gospel. And never give up. Never, 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 never give up. So remember, the gospel is universally available to everyone. And your family and friends as well. Keep giving it no matter what. Never, never, never give up when you do. Stay faithful. Remember that as you're giving the gospel, it's an important truth. And it needs consistent preaching of the gospel. And that's why I preach the gospel and often give an invitation at the end. As much as I feel the tension of us going overtime, I'd rather go overtime here than to spend time not giving you the gospel and you missing that message. Because no one really can even give the gospel unless they're sent. And you're learning now that you're sent and everybody in the world needs to hear it. And maybe your world, whatever world you are, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, vacation, backyard, beach, mountain, valley, desert, you're to give the gospel. When you can, steps, slowly, building the bridge, but ever purposely in the direction of helping someone come to faith in Christ. So you're sent. The message needs to go out. And oh, God has gifted you to do that. Then they need to hear the word. So connecting to them is good. You can build all the sanitary sewers all over the world. And you can come alongside them and give them a lot of great truths. How to have a good family and how to be happy in life. But if you don't ever get into the gospel, you just made earth a better place to go to hell from for them. So they need to hear the word of God. And I hope that you're willing to go anywhere and everywhere that each one of you 
whatever your age might be, and I've given you a couple of examples of elderly people who never retired, but they redirected, even in their old age, they'll go as far as God will let them to present the gospel. And you don't have to go to the end of the world. You just need to be faithful as you're going. And then perhaps, finally, at the end of all of this, that you never give up, even in spite of a person's sin, in spite of what they've done to you, that you'll still give them the gospel, that Jesus Christ and His grace trumps whatever persecution you've received from other people. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are all convicted by this message. It is not me speaking down or to others. It's all of us in this thing. I'm just, I found this truth and I want to share it and I'm convicted and I want to, as a family, to work on these things together. Because Father, we do care about those who've never heard of you. And so, Lord, help us now to reprioritize our life, our funding, our finances, our time, our abilities. And may it always be used to to bring glory to you. But one of the greatest ways to bring glory to you is to have someone come to faith in you and then to go on to be obedient worshiper of you. Bless these dear people today, Father, as we let the Spirit continue the work of what we've heard from your word in our heart. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.